messing around today, Bernie. We got a lot to get into real quick. Uh, go ahead and give the Instagram and Twitter a follow at Locked Up Podcast. I'm joined once again on Friday by Brandon Burnstill, LockedUp.com analyst, and we have a lot to get into. We're going to recap all of the action from this week and also give you a preview of this weekend's action. Bernie, no messing around. We got a lot to get into today. We're talking about, what, uh, five different sports or five different teams we're talking about basically everybody except for women's soccer because they didn't play this weekend. Um, so we got a lot to get into. Let's get right into it, starting with the men's soccer team opening up their season up against the Fontbon University Griffins, and they t- come away with the one nothing victory. Bernie, I'll go ahead and let you go first. Give me your key takeaways from this game. Um, only two is I got. I'll make it quick. 1-0 victory. It looks like a sound game. Amon Mervin, of course, he's the guy that scores the only goal. Amon Mervin puts on more shots, actually, than the whole other team combined. Matt Coffey saves all four shots in the shutout victory. Yeah, and this is a classic case of some team defense from Webster. Justin Kohler, my man, leading the defensive unit for Webster. And this really, man, is, is a team win. Obviously, you know, you say Matt Coffey with the shutout. He only had to save four goals the entire game. I mean... Um, the Webster team just didn't even let Fompon get downfield. And, you know, ultimately it made the job really easy for Matt Coffey. Had to make four key saves, like I said, but certainly a defensive win more than anything else. Amon Mervin, who else? They had to get the first goal of the season and the only goal in that game. A really nice win for Webster in their opening matchup. And uh, Cameron Killian also had a really nice game. I believe it's his first game on the team. I think he's a freshman. I'm not sure, but Cameron Killian had a really nice game as a Webster defenseman. Um, and they're actually going to play Fompon again this weekend. And, you know, this is a team where Fompon used to be one of the top dogs in this conference this year. They come in ranked seven out of nine on the preseason poll. So I'm not sure that Fompon's going to have that great a season. I expect Webster to win that one also. Um, Bernie, any thoughts on the rematch between these two teams? No, I think we're having a similar game. I think uh, I think the Webster team would actually win by a couple more goals. Yeah, I hope so. I'm curious about in the next game, if are we going to see a committee at goalie between Matt Coffey and Matt Amick, or is it just going to be Matt Coffey's job? Um, that's going to be the biggest takeaway for me going into that game. But definitely one I expect Webster to win, a good win to get off to the start of the season against a Fontbonne team that you got to beat. So, Really good, nice start for the season. Let's move right along, though, to the men's basketball game. And, Bernie, this was an ugly one, to to say the least. Now, I will say, and I hate that I keep having to make excuses for this men's team because I know that they are not a team that makes excuses. But, obviously, last week in that Greenville game, Greenville was coming into their ninth game when Webster was playing their first. So, Greenville was basically in midseason form. In this one... Webster, until two games or two days before this game, Webster thought they were going to play Spalding, but then Spalding had a COVID outbreak. So then Webster had to switch their schedule two days before the game. And I know this Webster team likes to prepare for their opponent and, you know, switching that team late, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but, you know, that's just tough to switch your team late. And they ended up losing 88-51, so a really tough one. Bernie, your takeaways from this Webster loss? Um, it looks like uh, – who did they play again? Uh, Fompon was able to hold NTN in check. I mean, he had 
he had an okay game, I guess, but it's not an NCAA type game. And then other than that, I mean, I think we mentioned the Greenville game. We got to find someone that can shoot the ball. I mean, another three for 14 performance on a three-point line. I think last game, they only shot twice from three-point line, but I mean, they put a 14 and only one make three, and that's 21%. And if you look at even from the free throw line, I mean, you can't only make six out of 17 free throws. Like, they are free throws. They're free points. And then, I mean, maybe my biggest takeaway from this game, looking from the minutes perspective, Mark Morgan's minutes cut a little bit this game. Um, I was hoping he'd take a step forward this game, but he actually he got cut by like five or six minutes this game. So, I mean, maybe something not to worry about, but I'm still a little, a little worried about that. Yeah, another player who got their minutes this one was Jason Coleman, was really, to me, the standout player of that game against Greenville. And I was watching the game back, and it's, it's unclear because the Fontbon broadcast didn't have any announcers, so there was nobody talking over the game. Coleman kind of fell down. He got straight back up, but it was taken out of the game and never ended up coming back in. So I'm not sure if it's an injury thing. He didn't look hurt. It may have just been a thing where, you know, they were down by 40 points at that point. They just didn't want Coleman to play anymore if there was any risk of injury. Coleman only took two shots the entire game, scoring two points. So, yeah, definitely a weird game. Mark Moore um, and really all the freshmen, not just Mark Moore. I mean, they still look uncomfortable. They're still making passes that aren't there and getting the ball taken away. And like you said, Bernie, I mean, I'm trying to pull up the number here. Do you know the percentage they shot from free throw? I can pull it up real quick. Um, It was 35%. So, yeah, I mean, that would be a okay three-point shooting percentage. They shot 35% from the free throw line, which is really rough. I mean, like you said, when Brown Jr. went two for four from three-pointers, if you take those four shots away, the rest of the team was one for 10, which is really rough. Uh, When Brown Jr., you know, it's – he certainly, as a player, has gotten better uh, than he was last year in his breakout season. But the weapons around him aren't as good. So I think a lot of the attention is going to him. He's not getting open looks at all because all you really have to do is keep Rodson out of the paint. And then all of your other efforts go to protecting Win Brown Jr. Um, and really, there's just not enough around him to make something happen. You know, you hate to say it's a rebuilding year for Webster. Because Rodson Etienne obviously just scored a thousand points against that Greenville team um, in his career. You don't want to waste his senior season, but it sure is what it looks like. A couple of the freshmen I really like. Marcus Becton had a really nice game, played 18 minutes, did some really nice things on defense. Connor Deeker is somebody I have really been impressed with. You know, you look next year, they're going to be losing both Etienne and uh, Ethan Hughes, both of their forwards. I think Deeker is somebody who could start for three years and put on a really good performance. I've been impressed with him, but. Yeah, really tough one. And Fontbon, they were the number one team coming into this year in the preseason poll. So this is a good team, but you certainly would like to put up a better fight than 88-51. Yeah, tough one there for the Webster men's team. Hoping they can bounce back next week. Um, But yeah, overall, not a good game. Not a lot to be happy about if you are Webster. So let's go ahead and move right along to some more upbeat uh, Webster basketball in the women's team, they were able to take a 23 point victory over Spalding. Spalding was ranked as the number two team coming into this year, and both Spalding and Webster in their first game lost to Greenville by five points. So, this was, was set to be a pretty competitive matchup, but Webster just took it to them. Bernie, give me your key takeaways from this one. Um, my main, my main takeaway from this game really was 
Addie Beesink didn't have a bad game, but she she didn't have to be the main catalyst of the team this game. Vaughn Distel had a good game. Cottrell had a – I mean, I thought it was a great game out of her. And then Freeman and Naomi Johnson, I thought, played the roles really well. Now a lot of Beesink had to have back seat. This makes you think that if Beesink has to be the number one, how good can this team actually be? I mean, 22 steals on defense, I thought it was just a great game all around. Yeah, and forced 39 turnovers did this Webster women's team. Hannah Cottrell, you know, she's not known for her scoring ability, really is more of a key player, really, really good on defense. But putting up 17 points in this one, also had four rebounds, four turnovers, had a block in there. I mean, Hannah Cottrell did everything that you ask her to do. And really one of those players that just doesn't get any glory. Um, but she is a key player to this team. I mean, one of those players where if you take her out of the lineup, this is a very different team. Looking elsewhere, I mean, Naomi Johnson got into some foul trouble early. I think she ended up having five fouls, so they didn't want to risk putting her back in um, to get a sixth foul to, to foul out of the game. So she got her minutes drastically cut, only played 19 minutes in this one, but you really didn't need her to play. I mean, this game was in hand after the first uh, half. Um, somebody who did play really well is Amaya Baker. She got her minutes really shot up as Kiara Rines is dealing with a bit of injury. Again, Naomi Johnson was in foul trouble. So Amaya Baker played a lot, and she came away with steals on the night, along with seven points, also forced a couple turnovers, had three assists. Amaya Baker, when you're looking for a guard to come in after uh, Lauren Freeman comes out, she could be the person to do so. And she is really – or she played really, really good. Also knocked down a three-pointer. Um, Baker, certainly not a three-point shooter, but knocked down a three-pointer when she was wide open. She played really well, and I think you got to be happy with the depth that this team is having. Beth Lancaster, if you look at the scoreboard, it doesn't really tell you that she did much, but she came in. Hunter Wright for Spalding was not causing a problem in the scoring game. Hunter Wright, I don't know if she had any points at all, maybe you know two or four, but was not being a problem in the, in the um, scoring game. But where she was, Hunter Wright's the tallest player on the court. She was getting a lot of passes when Webster's trying to press and – and create turnovers, they were able to pass it to Hunter Wright over and over again because nobody could really guard her. Beth Lancaster came in the game, and they couldn't pass to Hunter Wright anymore. Lancaster also got into a little bit of foul trouble. I think she had four fouls despite only playing eight minutes. But she is really disruptive in the defensive game, especially in the low post. Um, I like Lancaster a lot. She still has not gotten a chance to really show what she can do because her minutes haven't been that hard. She's lost some time to Emily Ederer, who's also a freshman who's played really well. Um, Emily Edward, by the way, still shooting a thousand on the season has not missed a shot. Um, but this is a really talented team, a team that, you know, seems like the favorite, like I said, after that Greenville game, I would not be surprised if this team goes nine and one, I had them going 10 and zero to start the year. They lose that Greenville team. I think huge asterisks in that one with Greenville playing their seventh game against Webster playing their first. This game certainly wasn't perfect, but a really, really good game. And, and Julie Bondistel is, is a superstar, you know, um, She's someone who you look at this roster and you look at Naomi Johnson, you look at Eddie Beesink as clear star players. You wonder how much production are they going to need from Bond Distel? Well, if she showed tonight and really now in two games in a row has been the top score for this Webster team. Bond Distel really turning into a superstar player. Um, Got to be excited for that. So Webster taking a nice 86 to 63 win over Spalding, getting to one and one on the season. They'll play again next week. Just, Really excited for this team and, and what they can do going forward. 
Let's go ahead and move along to the volleyball game. And this one, another tough loss as Webster fell to Fontbonne. And Fontbonne is the sixth ranked team coming into this year. And really, it's a bottom three. You talk about the top three in the Slyak Volleyball. This is a bottom three in the Slyak Volleyball with Fontbonne, Eureka, and Iowa Wesleyan. And just a really tough loss for Webster, losing 3-1. Uh, all the sets were close, especially the ones that, that Bonbon won. They won 25-23, 25-20, and then 26-24 in overtime in that fourth set. Really tough one, Brian. Give me your key takeaways from this game. Um, like, like you said, top three were bottom three. I, I think I had Bonbon going 2-12. and 12. I had them as the second-worst team, only in front of Eureka. But there's a reason I went through a 9-5. This is a young team trying to learn the systems and – I'm just going to talk some of the bad loss. I think they'll be fine in the long run, but, you know, it's, it's a tough way, tough, tough loss. Yeah, 31 attacking errors, hit 108 as a team. You know, you look at the lineup, Ali Sport has been an absolute superstar and almost actually had a triple-double again in this game. Um, but just too many errors. I, she had nine kills and eight errors, which is really tough. And Spore certainly, I don't think attacking is her main MO, but – um, just got to have cleaner attacks. Lauren Bork also, I don't think, hit very well. Um, she had 13 kills. Trying to pull up real quick. She had 13 kills, also seven errors. So she only shot 120. And really up and down this lineup, somebody who's lost a lot of playing time is Alexis Wolf, who, you know, she played in all four sets, but she's not playing the same role she was at the beginning of the year. I kind of want to see them get back to that. I know that Ali Spore has kind of filled that role in um, as the number two attacking option, but I'd like to see Alexis Wolf get back into full playing time. Yeah. She's going to make mistakes. She's a freshman, but I think the upside is just so high. I'd like to see her get, you know, a lot of playing time. Delaney Demon played another great game, 16 more assists. I mean, she is the, the, uh, gentrified second rotation setter. And I think even with the way sports playing, you can bring Delaney Demon in for as much time as you need to, because, Look, she's a one-dimensional player. I mean, she's a setter. She's not going to attack. She's she's going to make the defensive plays when the ball's hit right at her, but she's not going to do anything special. But she is a really clean setter, and Webster doesn't have a really clean setter besides her. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing Delaney Demon even get more time. Um, Jordan Mueller also played in three sets in this one. But again, six kills but four errors. It was a really tough game. Nobody really hit well on the side of Webster. Um, so just cleaning up those hitting mistakes. I think they fixed the setting mistakes that they had early on only one setting error the entire game, which is really good to see because they were racking up eight, nine, 10 setting errors early in the season. Serving has regressed, which is weird because early in the season serving was their big strength. This is another game where they have twice the amount of errors that they had aces, which is really rough. I mean, serving, that was the thing that kind of you look at their game and that was the safe point, right? They were going to be able to serve well. Um, that has really fallen off. And then also in the dig game, I think, again, this is one of those things. Kira Gensel, not a top two dig performance in terms of the team. There were two players with more digs than her. But I think this is just other teams adapting and, and directing their attacks away from Gensel because she's been so good. So I don't really have a concern with Gensel. And Lauren Bork put up 21 digs, which is a really good performance from her. But, yeah, really tough loss after, in my opinion, they played their best game of the season against Spalding. So to come out and have this as your next game, which is probably your worst game of the season, really rough, especially when you're playing two competitive teams on the weekend. Let's go ahead and transition into that, Bernie. On Friday, 
the Webster's going to play Blackburn. Um, and Blackburn, a team that I really like going into this year. Um, Blackburn, their only losses, they've lost two games to uh, Westminster, one game to Greenville, and then one game to Spalding. And that game against Spalding, they were up 2-0 and then ended up Spalding came back and won it. Um, but, Bernie, go ahead and give me your thoughts. You can get talk about this game against Blackburn and also the Westminster game. Give me your thoughts for this Webster Volleyball weekend. Uh, starting with Blackburn, I mean, <clears throat> I know it's a team that you like. I wasn't very high on them. I think especially after a game, like the Fonpon game for West, or Webster, they're going to focus in. I mean, in history, they're 60-8 and eight versus Blackburn. I don't really see that change. I think Webster will take care of them. Now, it might go to three or four or five sets, but I think they take care of them pretty easily. And if you look at the Westminster game, this is the team I had finishing in second. Westminster had already beaten Greenville. So I think Westminster is going to take the win. I think the game goes to five sets. I think it's going to be a really good and competitive weekend for the Webster volleyball team. Yeah, and it's to me, it's a really good thing that you're playing Blackburn first and then Westminster. Because if you're, I think if you go into Westminster after that loss that you just suffered to Fontbonne, I think you just get blown out. Because how do you lose to Fontbonne and then come out and try to beat Westminster? I think this Blackburn game, and look, this is the best lineup Blackburn's ever fielded. So, you know, I think you kind of got to throw history out the window. I know Webster has been historically dominant, but Blackburn has been historically horrible. Um, to me, this is the best Blackburn roster they've ever fielded. So, and it's, it's a, you talk about Webster being a young team. Blackburn is even more of a young team. Um, the big thing for me is Lazar Ray Burnside for Iowa Wesleyan really was a thorn in the side of Webster at the net. Um, I mean, every attack that Webster tried to set up, Burnside was blocking and sending back down. Now, Wesleyan does not have the weapons to beat Webster, even though Burnside was really a thorn in the side of Webster the entire game. Um, for Blackburn, they have Emily Eitzeifer, and she is just as good a blocker as Burnside, but Blackburn's got some weapons outside of Eitzenheifer that can really make Webster pay if they're not able to, you know, combat Eitzenheifer at the line. Um, and you look at the rest of this Blackburn team, Amanda Swedberg, their libero, a really, really good player. This team's got some weapons. Um, I mean, Swedberg is leading the league leading the slack in digs. They don't have the attacking that I think you'd like to see um, from an up and coming team. And I think Webster can take advantage of that. I mean, you look at Web, uh, Blackburn, they don't have an attacker in the top 12 in the, in the conference. Magnuson is their top attacker only with 2.29 kills per set. So it's really more of a team attacking game. They're going to look to work through Eitzenheifer at the net. And then Amanda Swedberg going to try to protect as many of those hits as she can. Um, but this is a game I think you got to win. I mean, certainly I think Blackburn can steal this one. They're a sneaky team. I like them a lot. I still do, even though they're three and four to start the season. Um, Webster, if they take their eye off the ball, there's no doubt in my mind this Blackburn team is better than Fontbonne. They beat them 3-0. So this Blackburn team is better than Fontbonne. So if Webster comes out and play like they did on Wednesday, they're going to lose this game. Um, and I don't really have any doubts about that. I think it's just getting back to what they were doing, you know, I know all the hypes around Ali Spore right now, but don't make her do too much. You know, let Spore play her game. Spore, first and foremost, is a setter. I know that she's been racking up the digs and racking up the kills, but first and foremost, Ellie Spore is a setter. So let her kind of let Lauren Boric and Alexis Wolf be the attackers on the outside. Um, and then Spore, let her be that third option in the attacking game. And let 
let Tori Chicolero play in the back row instead of making Spore be the second option in the back row. Um, get back to what this team kind of thrived on early in the season was was how much how well rounded the roster was. That's where they thrived early in the season. Now it looks like you're trying to play through your stars, which I don't think this team is built to do so. So, yeah. And then talking about the Westminster game, look, I still think this Westminster team, they're a team with a infinitely high ceiling. I mean, they they took care of Greenville 3-0. So clearly this team is as good as you can get. But also I think they have a much lower floor than even than Greenville for sure. And it's hard to say this now that Webster just lost font bomb, but I still would say Greenville has a, or Westminster has a lower floor than Webster does because they just, they're a high octane team. They can make mistakes really easily. Um, so I think Webster can take that one. I'd love to see them get back on track against Blackburn and use that momentum to beat Westminster, but we'll see. I mean, Webster's still a lot of questions on this team. I think the main thing for them is just to get to your, get to your peak by the time playoffs comes around. Um, because I think trying to win the regular season title, I think that's kind of out the window at this point. I mean, you got, um, what, they have three losses now or just, or just two? They're or, two right know? now. Okay, so they got two losses. Two. You got two losses, um, but you still got to play Westminster twice and you still got to play Greenville another time. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the regular season title to me is kind of out the window. I think you got to focus on getting your team ready to be the be at their best by the time playoffs come around and try to make an upset in the playoffs. Let's go ahead and move along to the women's softball team, which as we're recording, this is beginning their game against Nebraska Wesleyan. Bernie, give me your thoughts on Webster versus Nebraska Wesleyan first. Well, I'm currently, I have this game on right now too. It's currently zero zero in the bottom of the fourth. Um, it's kind of what I expected. I mean, this, uh, let, me see, let me pull up my notes real quick. There is, what's her pitcher's name? Kaylee Myers on the mound for Nebraska Westland. Well, I mean, talking about an ace, is dominant. 1.36 ERA last season. So, I mean, I, I just think whoever scores first is going to win this game right here. Yeah, and, and Kirby Mendenhall actually getting the opening day start for Webster. I still think Arias is their best pitcher. Mendenhall, um, trying to pull it up real quick how old she is. Um but Mendenhall certainly can hold her own on the mound. So Mendenhall is a senior, Kirby Mendenhall. And it's surprising to see maybe they wanted to save Arias for the second game of the doubleheader. Maybe they figured they couldn't, they weren't going to have a good matchup against the top pitcher for Nebraska Wesleyan. Mendenhall at a 4 2 ERA in 2020. Um, is she, it looks like she is. A transfer, yeah. So Mendenhall transferred to Webster. So she's only pitched a couple games for Webster last year. She started twice um, and had a 4-2 ERA, which isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. You wonder why we're seeing Mendenhall instead of Arias, but could be that they just want to go one and one and they figured they didn't have a good matchup in the first game. Facing Meyer uh, would be my guess. Or maybe they just they've seen some really good things from Mendenhall of the offseason and wanted to give her the first shot. Mendenhall, as you said, Bernie, throwing a shutout right now, only got one strikeout through four innings, which is nerve-wracking, but this Webster defense is, is a very quality squad. Um, so, yeah, interested to see what they can do. I would love if they could take both these games. Nebraska Wesleyan, certainly no slouch of a team, um, a team that Webster has historically been better than. 
But this Webster team is not the same squad that played them back in 27, 2016. I think for Webster to come out and win both these games would be an extraordinary start to the season um, for a team that, again, is kind of in the middle of their rebuilding where I think the future is really bright for this team. Maybe even next year, I think this team could be really, really good, but certainly not to that point yet. But this would be a great start, uh, certainly. Then they're going to go ahead and play Transylvania on Saturday, and Transylvania ranked number 12 in Division Three softball. Bernie, you got any notes on that Transylvania-Webster game? Uh, I think it's a real test. I mean, the only real note I have on Transylvania is like I talked about Kaylee Meyer being the ace for Nebraska Wesley on the 1.36. This Transylvania girl, Cameron Bowling, has a, had a 1.1 last year. I mean, they're going up against. I assume she's going to get the ball. If they have to go get, go up against her again, I mean, that's a. I mean, that's a tough matchup to start the season. I mean, I don't know if this early in the season they can overcome that. Now, if they get the other pitcher of Transylvania, CC Whit Whitry, is how I believe you pronounce it. Um, that's a little more favorable a matchup, but I, I think this would be a really good test. I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, Reese Wagner is somebody that we really liked going into the season. I believe she was your breakout, Bernie. She's getting a start today in left field. Uh, really high hopes for her. I think she's going to be a superstar for this Webster team going forward. Uh, I believe she pitches a bit too, but mostly a hitter and can play all over the diamond, which Webster's got a lot of players that can really play all over the field. Um, so excited to – I'm really more so excited to recap those games because I don't know – what to expect from this Webster softball team? We've talked a lot about them being in the middle of a rebuild, trying to get back into their winning ways after a tough couple of seasons prior to this year. Um, so I'm really excited to look back on Monday at this team and how they did this weekend because I think this team has got some pretty good upside. I kind of compare them a bit to Blackburn in the sense of how the roster's made up. Now, Blackburn is is one of those teams that has never been good, and they're finally fielding a competitive roster where women or Webster softball is in the place where they were good in the past. Now they're trying to break it down and get back there. So it's a different situation in that sense. But I think it's very similar where you got these young players who are really high upside, who are going to keep getting better, um, and a chance where next year's probably their year to really be a competitor. but Hey, if they're ahead of schedule on their on their development, then certainly they could compete this year. Webster ranks sixth of the nine, no, six of the eight um, wet slack softball teams in the preseason poll. So again, not high expectations, but certainly high upside, I think, for this Webster softball team. Let's go ahead and move it right into the baseball weekend and. The Webster baseball team, they went one and one against Wartburg last weekend, and they're going to play Wartburg one more time on Saturday. From what I hear, it's going to be Matt Mulhern again against this Wartburg squad. I don't know if Gatto's going to throw for Wartburg um, against Webster again. Gatto's who threw last week, and he pitched a good game. They left him in too long. I mean, I think he was at like 126 pitches when he allowed four runs in the eighth inning. Um, but to that point, prior to the eighth, he threw seven innings of one-run ball. It was a really good game from both sides. I don't know if they're going to get Gatto again. Bernie, what are your thoughts on this Wartburg-Webster rematch? Well, I'm just – I'm hoping it's a Mulhern-Gatto rematch. I mean, each guy starting the belt now. I think Mulhern's going to go out there again. He's going to go out and do his thing. He's going to dominate again. But Gatto, I mean, we talked about him throwing too many pitches last game. I think he's going to be more prepared to start for that type of workload. And I think that I mean you could see a one nothing, two nothing type game again. That's what I think this would be a great game if it's Mohorn versus Ghetto. So I'm hoping for. 
Yeah, and I predicted that game last weekend. I said, when we talked last Friday, I said that game was going to be 2-1. I wasn't far off. 5 nothing looks a little bit worse than 2-1, but really, I think you got to disregard that eighth inning because it really didn't matter. It was a weird inning. Gatto stayed out there too long. They put in a reliever, and a bunch of runs scored that were technically Gatto's runs, but it was off the reliever who wasn't very good. Um, so, you know, I think that Gatto certainly flashes upside. Bernie, you know, look, you played baseball in high school. I played baseball in high school. You just got shut out by a guy in Matt Mulhern who's certainly very good, but what do you think of of Wartburg getting a, a chance to see Mulhern again and how they can change their approach against him this time? Do you think it gives them a bit more of an advantage that they're seeing him again? I mean, I'm sure it gives them an advantage, but, I mean, it's not even like – it looked like the others didn't have a chance against them. Like, it wasn't just like he went out there and he had a good start against them. He went out there and straight – like, straight dominated those kids. Like, he made them look like kids out there. So, I mean, I'm sure it'll help some of the, like, the guys on the other team. I forgot some of the names I mentioned last week that were good hitters. Um, but, I mean, I don't, I don't see it being that big of a deal. I mean, I think Mulhern just Mulhern. Yeah, and another thing to note, you know, Zach Goodman was on this week earlier to recap that baseball game. And Goodman mentioned that Mulhern was dominant, and he was mostly dominant with his fastball. 12 of Mulhern's 14 strikeouts came off the fastball. So when you talk about facing a team again, usually the trouble you run into is, okay, they've seen my whole arsenal. But it looks like that Mohorn barely had to use this slider. So even if they do catch up to the fastball, well, now they got to deal with a whole new ball game in Mohorn's slider. So, I, look, I think this matchup favors Webster all the way. Um, I think they'll win that one again, you know, 2-1, 3-0, something like that. I think Webster is going to be the victor in that one. Uh, one thing to note, as we talked about on Tuesday, is Webster rolling without their starting catcher. Zach Goodman is going to be out for it looks like he's his timetable is a little bit ahead of schedule, so he may be back sooner than we expected. I mean, there was even a scare that he would miss the rest of the entire season. It looks like that's not going to be the case. I think he'll be back at least for playoffs, maybe even before that for some of the district games. But for now, it's going to be RJ LaRocco. And, you know, the thing that, that makes me nervous, LaRocco is a great player, um, but certainly over the winter, Matt Mulhern has been throwing to Zach Goodman. And in their first game, Matt Mulhern threw to Zach Goodman. Mulhern has never thrown a game to RJ LaRocco. I'm sure they had a bullpen together this week. But as a pitcher, I pitched in high school. And as a pitcher, you do get comfortable with a catcher, especially with a catcher that you've had success with. Moving to a new catcher, it's a little bit of a different situation because uh, Coach Courage calls, calls the pitches from the dugout. So LaRocco doesn't have to deal with calling pitches. Um, and LaRocco's really good at framing. He's, he's a really, he looked, he had really good hands. He came in for the second half of that game last week in the second game after Goodman got hurt. He stole some strikes. He's got really good hands on the corner of the strike zone. So I don't think it'll be a problem, but it is something to think about with Mulhern being this dominant guy, um, having to switch catchers kind of unexpectedly this week. Let's go ahead and move right along to this Benedictine matchup. Benedictine's going to play Webster in back-to-back games on Sunday. Benedictine plays on Saturday against Wartburg. So the ex- expectation, at least from where I am, is that Mulhern will throw on Saturday and also Benedictine's ace is going to throw on Saturday. So we're going to see the two and three starters on Sunday, at least as my handle on it. Bernie, I'm not sure if you had uh, any other thoughts and also just your thoughts in general on this Benedictine matchup. Uh, like you said, I think Webster gets a little lucky that uh, they play Warburg on Saturday because Shram, I mean, 
0.6 ERA last year. I, I assume that he'll throw Saturday against Warburg. It's my assumption. And if you look past that, I mean, Benedictine has another pitcher, Steven Surak, Surak I, I, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Um, had two ERA last year. Um, he's only, a, what is he, a junior this year? I mean, he's contributed to this Benedictine team since his freshman season. I mean, this kid looks like he's a really good pitcher. I assume we'll see him in game one. Is that the game? Is Mulhern going to start against them again next week? No, I, look, I think Mulhern's going to get Wartburg. And then Wartburg, um, yeah. I think from what I heard, Sean Beaver should be healthy for this weekend. Um, so if he is healthy, we'll definitely see Sean Beaver in that first game against Benedictine. And then I don't know if they'll go back to Smeevil, if they'll go to Cooper Hake, who hasn't started yet this year. I'm not sure what Webster's going to do in that second game, so we'll see. Um, but certainly, I mean, I think this is going to be another low-scoring game, and that's kind of the thing with Webster is they typically play low-scoring because their defense is so good and their pitching is so good. And a lot of times they are willing to sacrifice defense or offense for defense. Um, you know, the back half of that lineup, with Aaron Hopp, RJ LaRocco, and uh, Matt Staker, certainly those three are, are defensive guys. And LaRocco has some upside hitting, but he's just a freshman. I mean, he, he looked – I think he only took – he took two at-bats. He didn't get a hit. I think he might have walked once, but he, he's a good hitter. And I think he's somebody who's got a lot of upside, but he's just a freshman. He's dealing with all of the responsibilities of being a defensive catcher, which a lot of times we see in the major leagues – that when rookie catchers get to the major leagues, they sometimes lag behind in offense because there's just so many defensive demands. I think we could see something similar when you're trying to catch a staff as good as this one, that LaRocco may struggle early on with the bat. Um, we saw Matt Staker get lifted for a pinch hitter late in the Wartburg game last weekend. So, you know, this is a team where I think you got to question the upside of scoring um, for Webster. And Bernie, if you want to talk a little bit about this Benedictine lineup, I think the Benedictine lineup might even have a little bit more upside than the Swepster lineup does. I mean, yeah, I mean, it looks like they have decent hairs all up and down the lineup. I mean, I focus on three guys. You got Kyle Mitter, senior. They batted 586 last season. I mean, again, short season, small sample size. I think he was around 300 the season before. Um, did not get thrown out of the base pass last year. Led the team in small bases, never got thrown out. Um, Jack Surin, a senior. Kind of looks like a Ben Swords type guy for them. Um, let the team extra base hits, meaning they hit a few better for 16 the shortened season. And then the kid that I want to focus on from Benedictine, there's a freshman last year, Nick Perscuti, at 300 last year. I know he only had one home run last year, but it was the team's only home run. And this kid's got some pop, um, shortened season and all, but I, I mean, I like this Benedictine lineup. Yeah, and it's a Benedictine team that likes to run as well. And again, you're going up a freshman catcher. LaRocco, especially in high school, I know he he threw out a lot of runners in high school. But look, you're a freshman. You're having to deal with a really good pitching staff. I think this Benedictine team is going to test him. Um, and teams were not testing Zach Goodman. Goodman, I mean, he's throwing out most guys who run. LaRocco, he could be very similar, but I think this Benedictine team is going to make him prove that he can throw guys out. Like you said, Kyle Mitter, seven for seven stealing. The team in just seven games, they played just seven games. They attempted 28 stolen bases. So that's four a game. They're going to run and they're going to run a lot. And they were pretty successful at it last year. 
um, especially with their top guys. Mitter was seven for seven. Uh, J- Jack Surin is back. He was four for five last year. Uh, Jack Feely was four for five as well. This is a team up and down the lineup. They're going to run. They're going to put the ball in play. They don't strike out a lot as a team. Uh, they're willing to take some hit by pitches as well. This, this is a team that I think is really scrappy and is going to put a lot of pressure on this Webster defense by putting it in play and trying and running everything out. Um, the left side of the Webster infield is really, really good. The right side of the Webster infield defensively is a little bit more questionable. And the outfield is really where the defensive strength is. But I don't think this team's going to hit a lot of deep fly balls. I think they're mostly going to be hitting line drives and ground balls and trying to beat everything out. Um, It's a team that doesn't particularly walk a lot, it looks like. I mean, you're looking at a team with a 325 average and a 381 OBP. Now, 381 OBP is certainly nothing to sneeze at, but... That's not a big difference um, between the batting average and OBP. So this team, they're looking to put the ball in play, and they're looking to run. Um, so I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on RJ LaRocco, the freshman. It's going to put a lot of pressure on the Webster pitching staff, where if guys get on base, they're having to deal with holding guys on. Benedictine, they're not a super good team. I mean, they were 4-3 in 2020. You go back to 2019 and they were 23 and 15. So certainly a solid roster, but I don't think one with near as much upside as Webster does. I still think Webster is likely to go two and zero against Benedictine. Um, so, you know, I think it, it's going to be a good game regardless. Um, but yeah, I think Webster's got the upper hand. Bernie, any final thoughts on the Benedictine Webster matchup? Uh, no, I mean, I think, but for showing both games, unless, unless you talk about Sean Beaver coming back, if he can't go yet, then you kind of question the staff that what's going to put out there. But other than that, if he's back and healthy, I think this is a two and zero, two and zero weekend for him. Yeah, if Beaver can't go, I think it'll be Smeevil and then Hake. Both those guys don't strike anybody out, and you got two pitchers who don't strike anybody out against a lineup that doesn't strike out. That can cause for some randomness in the game. The more balls that are put in play, the more weird things that can happen. So definitely is a concern if Beaver isn't in there. Bernie, let's end the show with our predictions for the weekend. So we got a lot of games that we have already talked about, but let's go ahead and get our final predictions. First off, men's soccer versus Fontbonne. Bernie, who you got? Well, that's a win. Come on now. That's a, that's a win. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take Webster in that one. Bernie, go ahead. Give me a score prediction. A score prediction, I'm going to go because, I mean, Webster had a high volume of shots. I'm going to go 3 nothing. All right, 3 nothing. Webster over Fonbon. Burning, I'm going to also say Webster is going to take it over Fonbon. I'm going to go ahead and say 2 nothing. Um, so let's move on to the volleyball team. Bernie got two games here, volleyball against Blackburn, uh, at Blackburn, if you care about home and away. And then we got Westminster at Webster on Sunday. Bernie, give me your prediction both the who's going to win and the set uh, count for those two games. The sets, I think Webster is going to take the game from Blackburn in four sets, and then I think Webster is going to lose to Westminster in I'll, – I'll go with five. This is going to be a really good game. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm trying to combat my fandom for the Webster volleyball team versus trying to be an objective, you know, sports analysis here. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and be a little bold here. I'm going to say that Blackburn's going to take the first two sets against Webster and then Webster's going to come back and win the next 3. So they're going to start out really slow and then win the next 3, 
take it in five. And then for the Westminster game, I'm going to go ahead and say Webster is going to win it again in five. Uh, I think this Westminster team has a, has a, you know, a decent floor. And I think if Webster can get hot at the right time, they can certainly take that one. So certainly, you know, look, I'm, I'm a Webster fan. I don't try to hide that in any of these podcasts. I'm trying to be optimistic here. I really like this Webster volleyball team and their ceiling. I think they're going to put it all together, you know, talking to some of the players that pop on loss really fired them up um, and got them motivated, you know, talking to the players. Sometimes when you lose to a team, you're not supposed to lose to a lot of times it can knock you down. It seems like it fired a lot of the players up. So um, I'm going to go ahead and look on the optimistic side. I will say though, I can see Webster going 0-2 this weekend in volleyball, but my official prediction is going to be, uh, over Blackburn in five and over Westminster in five. Let's move on, Bernie. The softball team. Now we get a little bit of a cheat right now because one of those games is going on at the time. But go ahead, give me. They got three games: two against Nebraska Wesleyan and then one against Transylvania. Give me your prediction for the softball team. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not really too much of a cheat because it's. It, I'm watching. It's zero zero in the bottom of the sixth right now. So I mean, this is a tough one. But, um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one and two. I think. I mean, hey, I hate to be that guy to go under 500 for a Webster team, but um, they have to face Transylvania, who I've already mentioned. I mean, a stud. And then this game they're playing right now. I, this this pitcher is dominating right now. They're dominating the Webster lineup. So I mean, I think they'll take the other game. I assume Ariana Harris will start the next one against Nebraska Wesleyan. I think they take that game. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say one and two as well. I think they'll go ahead and split with. Nebraska Wesleyan and then lose the Transylvania game. So I agree wholeheartedly. Although Bernie, are you still watching a little bunt single action there? I, I did see the bunt single. <laughs> That's how you get it going. So obviously by the time you're hearing this, this game has well been decided, but as we're watching it now, it's zero, zero. It's a tight one. Really exciting. Um, so yeah, but I agree. I think they'll split with Nebraska Wesleyan and then lose to Transylvania tomorrow. Finally, we got the baseball team, Bernie, three games, a rematch against Warburg, and then two on Sunday against Benedictine. What are your prediction for those three games? Um, I think they take care of Benedictine. I would be worried about Warburg, except, Robbie, you know. You know Matt Mulhern's on the mound for that game. So they're going to bring out the brooms. It's going to be a sweep this weekend, and it's going to be a happy baseball team. Ooh, all right, you're going ahead and pulling out the sweep. I honestly thought you were going to say two and one. Uh, so I was going to say sweep, but now I kind of want to say two and one. Um, no, I'll go ahead. I'll agree with you. I, I think Webster's is going to sweep. Uh, I don't see them losing to Wartburg with Matt Mohern on the mound because, you know, we talk about Webster getting to see Mohern again or, uh, you know, Wartburg getting to see Mohern again. Well, that means Webster also gets to see Gatto again. And that's going to give Webster – any advantage that Warburg has by seeing Mohorn again, Webster's going to get that same advantage. And if they don't go with Gatto, they're probably going with Kilpatrick, who pitched really well against Webster. But again, same issue. You're seeing him again. And if they don't go with those two guys, then they're going with somebody who isn't very good because, uh, you know, frankly, Warburg doesn't have any other arms other than those two. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a 3 0 weekend for Webster baseball. So that's going to do it for this one. We'll be back on Monday to recap all the weekend action that we previewed today. So certainly you're going to want to check that one out. Go ahead and watch all of the Webster sports action. A lot of it this weekend. Go ahead and check it out again. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Um, 
honestly, a little bit of a light content load this week. A really busy week for me. But going forward, starting next week, uh, we're going to have daily podcast episodes and also a lot more action on social media. So you're not going to want to miss it. Give it a follow. Again, that's at Locked Up Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. But thank you all for watching. For Brandon Burnstill and Robbie Floyd, this has been the Locked Up Podcast.